Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic-minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well-being. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Ask Dr. Ben podcast. So appreciative that you guys are joining me on a regular basis. I am really excited to talk to you today about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Today, we're going to talk about how hormone toxins are affecting your children. And I really should put a parenthesis and you behind it because a lot of these things may be quite applicable to your life and your health situation. And yeah, this is so critical to me because we're talking about generational changes in how our bodies are impacted. And I mean, this goes very deep to fertility and just a lot of pain and suffering that I think is going on right now in the world today with people who don't realize why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. And so I'm going to do my best in today's 30-minute segment to dive deep for you into the reasons why our children are being dramatically affected by our current toxic environment. You know, all this started for me, I remember, I was in uh, medical school 30 years ago, and I was learning that there was this new thing happening, which was really interesting back then. And it was that girls were, you know, starting their menstruation at a younger and younger age. And so where it used to be 13, age was dropping, it was down to 12. And then we were seeing a lot more often girls starting at age 11, and sometimes even earlier than that. And at the time, I remember contributing a lot of the effects of that to the hormones that were in meat and dairy products. I've mentioned them in other podcasts, the bovine growth hormone or whatever, you know, there's a whole a vast network of hormones used on cattle that are influencing our bodies. And so these hormones uh, were affecting uh, when a girl's period was starting. And while that was fascinating, you know, it's not necessarily going to lead to a whole host of physical changes other than that. And things have changed since then. So that was about 30 years ago. And I think with each decade and with the increasing exposure to in these endocrine disruptors, also called xenoestrogens, also called estrogenic toxins, and that's usually the term I throw out there. It's the, the most understandable term. So this, the onset and increase in the use of estrogenic toxins has changed that particular aspect. And now uh, what we're seeing is more and more girls are having a delayed menstruation as opposed to an early menstruation. And so what is leading to that or the many other diseases quote unquote, and or symptoms that relate to it. Well, 
Let's start by sort of identifying, and I'm not going to go in a tremendous detail. Uh, you're all welcome to go Google endocrine disruptors, you know, estrogens, and start with the category of pesticides. As I've mentioned, pesticides are uh, used in massive quantities in the United States for reasons that are baffling when you consider the comparison of their use to other countries. And it's not to say that other countries aren't using them. There are a few countries out there and around the world that don't subscribe to pesticide use in a significant way. But certainly most Western cultures are pesticide heavy. And a lot of those pesticides resemble estrogens. Remember how this works. A toxin can have a lot of different effects on the body. You know, last week we were talking about how toxins impact the microbiome, but they can also have hormone mimicking quality to them. And what's interesting about that is they never work in the same way. So if you can imagine, there are maybe a hundred different estrogenic toxins that are spreading around our communities and are in our food, in our water, in the air. And they are affecting different aspects of the various estrogen receptors in the body. It's the best way I can understand it. I don't think there's been a lot of research on this, so there's not a real good way to know the exact impact and why this varies. But you're going to see that there is some... There's a confusing picture sometimes because uh, sometimes an estrogen toxin will actually create what you might think of as an estrogen-like reaction, and sometimes an estrogen toxin will create a masculinizing reaction. And I oftentimes hear the term that uh, you know women have estrogen toxicity, but I think a lot of physicians assume what that means is they have an overwhelming amount of estrogen in their system. And for a lot of people, you know, they can attribute the phytoestrogen community of ingredients and plants like soy to this condition. I don't. I will tell you that I, I think soy is a, a poison because of the GMO nature of it. And I think soy has estrogen influences in the body. And I don't know what, but is it black cohosh or some other ingredients out there that women take for menopause? All of those have estrogen influence to them, but they do not activate receptors. They're not toxins in the body. And somebody who has, you know, a history of, of breast cancer that with estrogen positive receptors certainly uh, should consider staying away from these plants or ingredients that may push the body towards a more estrogen environment. But I would tell you, I don't think any of those phytoestrogens are causing breast cancer, whereas I think estrogen toxins are a leading, I don't know if it's necessarily a direct source of the cancer, but it probably is. But let's, so let's just say it is a, one of the main factors in this alarming increase in breast cancer that we've seen over the decades. So pesticides have an estrogenic component. You have a host of sunscreens that are very commonly used. The unfortunate reality of reef damage and a coral reef damage has led to a decrease in the use of artificial sunscreens, which makes me happy. But uh, I want to identify three specific sunscreens that I think you should be aware of. Octinoxate, oxybenzone, and homosalate. Now, other sunscreens have other effects, like I believe octomethoxycinamate has a, a neurotoxicity effect on the system. But these in particular are what we call 
endocrine disruptors. They have an estrogen-like component to them. So it's octanoxate, oxybenzone, and homosalate. They're very commonly used in sunscreens. And as you know, like all summer long, we're slathering sunscreens on our children, trying to be mindful parents uh, and not knowing uh, some of these harmful effects. Additionally, within that sort of category are parabens. So I've had many years of debate on parabens. I've never been a fan of parabens going back to my very first uh, skincare line 20 years ago. But the debate is always around, well, is it harmful to the skin? The question for parabens isn't so much about the harm it does to the skin. It's the fact that they are estrogenic toxins. So once you rub them on your skin, and of course, so many women are rubbing this, you know, paraben laden moisturizers on their skin or, you know, so many sunscreens contain these parabens. So you might be putting a lot of them on your children. I appreciate the fact that not a lot of people are rubbing body lotion on their children. So parabens are more influential in uh, the adult population, but still there and present and something that you want to avoid. And then there are uh, food preservatives, which in many cases are estrogenic Again, influencing the system, and we'll talk specifically about what I think that, the, you know, each toxin's impact in the body. And then finally, there's chlorine, and chlorine seems innocuous. You know, we all think of, oh, doesn't our body have chlorine? Well, our body has chloride, and it is not the same. And chlorine is typically used in the form of bleach. So it's a chlorine plus an oxygen, you know, and some chemical variation thereof. And bleach is highly toxic to the system and for reasons still not quite clear to me, uh, is highly prevalent in our society. So as humans, as in the Western world, we face about a million toxins a day. Many of these toxins are estrogenic. And so now let's describe for a minute what happens to the body when an estrogen toxin is present. So you've heard me say that several of the estrogen toxins I mentioned cause acne. And one of the ways that the body attempts to get rid of these toxins is through purging it through the skin. But in general, that takes a level of accumulation to happen. And so uh, you have to think of your body as a reservoir. And each of us, based on our DNA, have an ability to remove toxins, but, uh, you know, one person better than the other. But in general, uh, as toxins accumulate in the system, uh, we reach a level where their influence can be very harmful to the balance of your natural production of hormones. And they can also have an influence, as I mentioned, on cancers and other diseases. So what's unusual about being estrogen toxic is you're actually low in estrogen. And the way I describe it is that as your body, your highly intelligent body, remember I come from this perspective that your body doesn't mis make a mistake, that it is aware of every chemical that comes through and it has a response to it because it's tapped into this universal intelligence, this universal consciousness that helps run the system. Remember, we have all those 65 trillion different bugs in our system that don't have our DNA that are not pre-programmed to do some function they are literally within the system you know they're a symbiotic relationship and they help keep things going that in and of itself is proof that the cells of the body are tapped into a universal understanding of how things work and a shared knowledge of what do we do next so when the body does something it does something in consideration of every cell in the body that's my take 
And when the body sees uh, an alarming level of estrogen toxicity, it's probably going through a, a series of thought processes, if you will. Are, have we reached a level now where this person's risk of developing cancer is alarmingly close? You know, that I think the body actually uh, takes that into consideration. Have we reached a level of estrogen toxicity uh, where other bad things could happen if I don't address the issue? So I believe the body intentionally lowers your estrogen output in response to the exposure of estrogenic toxins. And it may do this through production of the estrogen, wherein you see an actual lowering of your estrogen. And I know many, many women who, you know, they talk about their early menopause coming on. That is direct, the direct result of estrogen toxicity. And so they go and get their estrogen levels checked and they find, lo and behold, they have low estrogen. I also know women whose estrogen is not as low, but they still have the symptoms. And in those cases, I think we're talking about hormone binding proteins. And so the body is limiting the amount of natural, uh, normal estrogen in the body. And this could be in the form of, you know, estrogen, estradiol, estriol, you know, the, ver the various forms of estrogen. And I, I would assume that these different estrogenic toxins influence the different types of estrogen specifically. But again, there's just been no research on this. No one has the incentive. And from what I can tell, you know, no one's diving deep. So as a result of uh, binding estrogen or uh, reducing your, the production of your estrogen, what ends up happening is that you have a progesterone and a testosterone imbalance. And I don't want to confuse that with an overproduction. You know, occasionally you can develop a tumor that may result in you overproducing progesterone or testosterone. But in general, you're not going to overproduce. But your body has a very specific balance to it. And by the way, I also kind of object to how religiously we follow the outcome of saliva and serum tests of hormones because, number one, they're not as accurate as we would like them to be. Number two, your body at any snapshot which is exactly what you do, like right when you when you spit saliva into a cup or when you take blood, you know, the time of day you take it influences it. Right. And so you may be getting inaccurate information that is not reflective of you. But the main problem I have with it is that you are you and your estrogen level is unique to you. And even though we try to say this is where we generally see women age 50 or, you know, if you're talking even about, you know, younger kids, this is where we see a 20 year old's estrogen level and you are fall below that. So therefore, uh, you should take a supplemental estrogen. Uh, now, I'm not a fan of that. We're not going to get caught up in that story today. But, you know, I generally believe that the way to restore hormone balance in your body is to detox your body, clear the estrogenic toxins out of it. So as a result of having low estrogen, what does that look like for people? What kind of changes are happening? And specifically, how is that influencing our children? So let's just dive right in. I'm going to start with uh, boys first. You would might think uh, that boys don't have a significant influence from estrogenic toxins. You are right to some degree. The men have less obvious symptoms of estrogen 
imbalance, um, but I want to cover a few of them for you because they may make sense for your children or for your uh, siblings' children or uh, whomever. And, and like I said, this can also be applicable to adults, but it's it's most concerning to me in the young because then they, they have a lifetime of struggling with a host of, of conditions. So imagine, if you will, a young man is in his growing years, and uh, one of the most important things uh, that marks a healthy level of balance in a young man is, is reaching puberty. And, and we don't typically see a dramatic change in uh, puberty levels and, you know, how much estrogen toxin exposure they have is the influence here. Remember how I said it's about accumulation and about how, how distorting uh, the presence of that is. But one of the signs of estrogen toxicity is early puberty and oily skin. So if your teenage boys seem excessively oily, there's a really good chance that they have estrogen toxicity. And again, remember what that means is that their estrogen production, and yes, men have that too. There's a whole balance uh, that goes on and and the men's fat cells kind of determine a level of that. But uh, yes, there is, you know, men are subject to the, some of these things as well. and, and, And estrogen does matter in the male human. So Oily skin is the result of testosterone being out of balance compared to estrogen in their system. And the same thing is true for the more quick onset of puberty. But there's a few other things that are going to follow in that. You're going to see boys be more moody, as you might imagine. Anything where you can think of, like all you have to do is Google what are the side effects of taking testosterone supplements. And you'll see more aggressive behavior is one. And so that's how I would apply that to moodiness. But what's also interesting for men, and this is where the picture gets very confusing, and I should say for boys, because the focus here is on our children today, is there is an estrogenic influence to these toxins. They're not just there sort of resonating a, a feminine quality. They... Each of the toxins has its own impact on various receptors, and those receptors can influence them in unique ways. So what you might see in young men is a feminine-like fat accumulation pattern. So you're going to see them gaining weight, and uh, that weight gain is kind of in a female pattern. In particular, there's this condition called gynecomastia. So what gynecomastia is, is the development of breasts in men. I can't tell you how many young men I see who have developed this at a in their teens, because it does take a while to accumulate enough toxicity for that to start happening. And uh, there's a feminization of the fat and ha- where it deposits on the human body. So you might see more more boys developing fat on their hips and buttocks and thighs, which is typically considered more of a feminine uh, zone for accumulation of fat. But the gynecomastia can be really disturbing. And I'm not sure how successful we can be at reversing that. Unfortunately, there's some of these trends where the continual exposure to estrogen toxins can lead to a change in how fat cells sit in areas like the chest. You know, one of the best ways to reduce gynecomastia is to get our children back down to a normal healthy weight and a healthy body fat content. The other issue is related more to the estrogenic chlorine exposure. And again, that's 
coming primarily in the water supply, but it's in our chicken. You know, they soak our chicken in, in bleach. They bleach sugar. They bleach flour. They bleach salt. And so the ingestion uh, for boys can influence the microbiome, and that can lead to conditions like depression and diabetes. So if you have a child who has early onset diabetes or is a pre-diabetic and you're thinking, yeah, he really does eat a lot of junk food. It's that darn junk food and the sugar in it. You know, my take is the sugar does have an influence on diabetes, but it's not the way that we think. You can solve diabetes by resolving and uh, correcting the microbiome. This is proven in, in mouse research. So the focus here is on not ingesting substances like estrogenic bleach that will distort and destroy a healthy microbiome, and the uh, net result is that. The other thing that within this category of, of estrogenic toxins that have influences the microbiome are food preservatives. You know, the very nature of a food preservative is to be an antibacterial. And of course, our microbiome is made up of mostly bacteria. So you never know which strains of bacteria are being affected, influenced and killed off uh, within the microbiome and how that could lead to, again, depression or diabetes in particular in men. And then finally, with pesticides, the estrogenic pesticides are still pesticides. And again, that is an antibacterial approach. I, we are so, there's so much antimicrobiome toxicity going into, our, into the Western diet. It's, it's a tragedy and uh, needs to be changed. So you've heard me advocate for that before. But yes, yeah, so for boys, uh, the list isn't quite as long. Uh, you, you can see mood changes. You can see uh, skin changes, which include oily skin. But I also want to include uh, a couple of others, and this is going to be true for the girls too, and that is keratosis pilaris. So when you have a low estrogen, high testosterone, or a high progesterone testosterone imbalance, you will promote yeast in the body. And yeast causes acne in the upper face of the body. Really, it causes acne on the entire face except for that inch above the jawline area. Um, that's candida acne. And um, low estrogen and the resulting imbalance of the other hormones results in an increase in candida. The condition is called, also called candidiasis. And that condition, depending on the strain of candida that they have, leads to keratosis pilaris, which are the bumps on the back of the arms, and uh, facial acne in young boys. And so what's the first thing that dermatologists might put them on? An antibiotic, really kind of the opposite of what you want to do. And then sometimes if, if the antibiotic is immunosuppressing enough, that might actually make the acne look better topically. It's a rare moment when an antibiotic is going to help an oral antibiotic is going to help acne, even though it is still sort of standard of care in the medical community. I, I completely disagree with that. If you if you have a candida overgrowth, you want to treat that with a candida treatment. We have one called Skin Perfection. It's an elixir taken twice a day to keep candida in control. And I, I'm going to get to, it's a pretty simple solution for all this, which is nice. But the most important thing of my podcast is, to bring the awareness to you because when you're aware of this and when you realize that these things that are happening, these changes that are happening to your children are fixable and reversible in many cases, it's so empowering and it avoids so much 
frustration and, and, and toxic therapy that comes again from uh, the wrong approaches in medicine from my perspective. All right, let's shift over to the, to the girls and, and how girls are affected by this process. Again, when you have a low estrogen as a result of your body seeing too many of these hormone toxins in it and adjusting to best suit you. Remember, this is not a defect of the body going, oh, hormone toxins, uh, I'm a very sensitive being, I, I'm going to make less estrogen because I just can't handle it. It's not that. It is an intelligent response saying, wow, these estrogenic influences are dangerous. And if this body has too much estrogen floating around in it, it could lead to cancer. It could lead to changes that I know this body doesn't want. That is why your body reduces the amount of active estrogen in the system. So when you have a progesterone imbalance, that is the main trigger for candida, as we mentioned. And also in girls, they're going to have a testosterone level that's going to be normal, but again, high in the presence of a low estrogen environment. Okay, I'm hoping that's sinking in for you because it's kind of confusing. Lots of estrogen toxicity, but low estrogen production and or active estrogen in uh, circulating through your system. And so those same candida issues are going to come up. Acne in the upper face, in particular, you know, the cheeks and the forehead or the large intestine. And you might see it around the mouth if they've got some candida uh, developing in the rectal region. And you can always go to my osmosisbeauty.com website and pull up the skin quiz and do an analysis of your children's face to see if they have what type of acne they have and, and how we resolve it, usually from mostly an internal perspective. The other condition I didn't mention, and this is going to be true for boys, is eczema. Eczema is a candida problem. See, it's a different strain than acne. It's a different strain than keratosis pilaris. Candida has 56 known strains that I've seen. And so when you have low estrogen and an imbalance of progesterone as a result, you're going to promote more candida. Now, you add to that our typical children's diets, which promote candida, and that includes dairy, which increases mucus production, and it's the mucus production that promotes candida. That includes fried foods, which again forms mucus in the system and increases mucus and candida at the same time. And then you can look up, there's a host of other foods that are purported to cause an increase in mucus production. It's those two that I harp on the most because those are the ones where you can actually put some cognitive thought into your children's diet and, and say, you know what, I could do less fried food, okay? I could uh, moderate their dairy. And if you're not able to moderate their dairy, um, you can give them a digestive enzyme that helps them digest dairy better. But again, I go back to the concept that pasteurized dairy is the, why it's so challenging. Our body can break dairy down pretty darn well when it's not pasteurized. It is the pasteurization process that leads to a distortion of the lipids. It's kind of like fried food. You know, the oils, our body could digest just fine. But when we oxidize those oils, the body now begins to have trouble and that creates a mucus forming event. As far as sugar goes, what sugar is doing is sugar is directly feeding the candida. Candida loves sugar. In fact, there's a lot of evidence to support the idea that candida releases stuff into the body that makes us crave sugar. So we find people oftentimes who have high yeast counts, because candida is a yeast, will also 
see an increase in sugar cravings. So that's part of what we're trying to treat. So eczema, you know, a lot of times they're going to be prescribed steroids. Well, steroids are not treating the eczema, right? They're just lowering the inflammatory process. And I remind everybody that inflammation is not what's damaging in the body. What's damaging in the body is the original trauma. Inflammation, in almost every case, I'm sure there's probably one or two things I'm not thinking of where inflammation itself is the the reason we need to uh, watch out for it. But inflammation is a response to an imbalance in the body. It is a repair response. You know, as I mentioned in another podcast, if you sprain your knee and your knee swells up, the inflammation isn't bad. That is your body trying to repair that tear in your ligament as best it can. And it knows that if it brings in all those goodies to work on that knee, that your knee will heal faster and better than it possibly could. And it's only us in Western medicine who decided, wow, that's a big swollen knee. And I've been, I know it hurts. So the best way to decrease the pain from the swelling is to ice it down. And, um, I don't subscribe to that. I believe that you should trust the reactions of the body and only in the most severe cases where let's say the swelling is compressing on a blood vessel and you need to bring the swelling down so that you don't like lose a limb or something that you want to allow the natural healing process to occur. Okay. So back to this concept of the candida and the low estrogen. So progesterone imbalanced is what stimulates that for your children. Remember, that's also true in women, adult women. Uh, So all the women who struggle with spotting and heavy bleeding, it's an estrogen toxicity. So if your teenage daughters are struggling with irregular menstrual cycles, and or heavy bleeding or spotting. This is a direct result of this estrogenic toxin exposure. It's a big part of this story. Um, They're also uh, more likely to see a late cycle because estrogen is the key influencer when it comes to building up the ovaries and maturing the ovaries further to get to a place where you're, you start to have that normal cycle. Uh, estrogen is the influence on the uterus and the uterine lining to help build it up. It's the main influence. Obviously, the other hormones are involved. But when that estrogen is low, then that process doesn't happen. The same thing might be true for adult women who have trouble with fertility, right? They, they can't ovulate because they don't have enough estrogen to ovulate because their estrogen is suppressed by estrogen toxicity. Onset cycle, uh, late uh, onset breast enlargement and breast growth. So late puberty can be a sign of this. Although, you know, they are going to have a heavier testosterone presence. So one of the things that is a big flag for me, when I start seeing young women ages, let's say, 8, 9, 10, 11, starting to develop facial hair before they develop their menstrual cycle, it's a huge tell. A huge tell. Look for facial hair and excess body hair as a big warning sign to all you moms out there who are watching this stuff closely that they, the imbalance is significant and severe and you should address it right away. Now, why do they get facial hair and excess body hair? Because, again, their testosterone, uh, which is normal by any other measurement, is imbalanced because there's no balancing effort by estrogen. And as a result of that, the, the body makes those changes. Young girls can also see weight gain from this, just like the boys. So where it's a little bit different is, right, I'm talking about in the boys, they get gynecomastia or breast enlargement, and the women might actually see 
a reduction in their full potential of breast enlargement because they don't have the proper presence of estrogen and the proper balance in their system. Now, you know, when they develop facial hair, it's pretty much a permanent thing. Yeah, no, laser hair removal can do a pretty good job, but I mean, it's not like if you fix the problem, they are going to necessarily see a decline in their facial hair. But I will say this with some optimism that it is possible. It is absolutely possible to see a reversal in facial hair that comes from pulling the toxins out of their system. So candida acne, keratosis pilaris, eczema, all in kids uh, can be a sign of estrogen toxicity. You can also see low sex drive. So one of the interesting things that's come out recently is teenagers. And I know all you parents are like, good, <laughs> but it isn't good, right? If, if it's the beginning of potentially low sex drive the rest of their life, it isn't good if it is the beginning of uh, infertility that plagues them the rest of their life. So, you know, I want our kids to have a normal sex drive. Trust me, I have a teenage daughter and I have a daughter who's uh, in college. And so, you know, I say that with some reservation, but I'm, you know, obviously as healthy as our kids can be, we want that for them. What else? You're going to see increased moodiness as a result of this, just like you do in boys. You're going to see all the microbiome-related issues that we see from pesticide, chlorine, and food preservative changes to their microbiome that cause more depression and or early-onset diabetes. Uh, you see the weight gain, and this is stubborn weight gain, and of course, adult women get this a lot. Like one of the, mo the most common cause of, I'll say obesity, but you could also just say uh, lesser than obesity, like weight gain, is uh, estrogen deficiency related to this toxicity and um, the uh, effect of that imbalance on water retention can also see painful menstruation. So a lot of young girls right out of the gate struggle with painful cycles that are the direct relationship of an imbalance and nothing else. But I'm going to finish on that by telling you that PCOS, I believe polycystic ovarian syndrome is caused by food preservative, estrogenic food preservatives. And so you're going to want to try to address that as well. And isn't it interesting that the, the, the picture of a PCOS is cysts on the ovary, which I believe, again, is this inflammation response to these estrogen toxins, facial hair and weight gain. You know, that's, that's the classic example. Um, and usually it takes decades to get there like it used to be when I was in medical school the it was women in their 40s that were seeing it but now because the level of toxicity that's out there it's actually uh, happening more and more in really scary numbers to women in their 20s so how do you deal with all this well the way I would approach it is we make a product called skin defense and I call it skin defense because, uh, you know, we're started as a skincare company first and foremost, and acne along the jawline is caused by food preservatives, and this treats that. And acne on the neck is caused by uh, estrogenic pesticides, and this treats that. And acne on the chest and back is caused by chlorine slash bleach, and this binds that. So uh, this is designed, the skin defense is designed to bind the toxins 
clean the slate of your body. If somebody has a lot of facial hair, you're probably wanting to start them on three caps a day. It's totally safe to take every day. I take it every day. You face toxins every day. You need to detox every day. It is not true that activated charcoal robs your body of minerals. You know, there's mixed reviews or mixed statements on that on the internet, but uh, I speak with great confidence telling you uh, not a problem to take charcoal every day. Your body's facing toxins every day. I believe you need to bind them every day. The women who are most affected and the boys take three caps a day at a max dose. It's just one time in the morning, three caps a day. You can uh, best done on an empty stomach. If they have burps or anything unusual, there's, that means there's something in their stomach cells that's binding them. I found that to be more often than not chlorine. So if they start off saying, oh, it makes me burp. I don't like it. Uh, let them know that that's actually a sign that we're pulling toxicity out. And it doesn't take too long uh, for kids to get back to a clean slate. I would anticipate, you know, a three-month protocol for a lot of them is probably enough. But you're welcome again to write me at drben at osmosisbeauty.com and I can do uh, what I do, which is remote muscle testing uh, to see if I think they need something more or a, a different form of therapy. For the microbiome, we created a prebiotic called Recovery that is simply phenomenal uh, at restoring the microbiome. It takes three months in most people. Sometimes in these uh, young kids at the teens, uh, you can get away with two months to, to replace their microbiome. But again, that's for people we think have had a lot of exposure to these preservatives. And quite honestly, you know, not just preservatives, but the bleach and the pesticides. Remember, most of the bleach is coming at your children through the tap water that they're drinking. And so it's a real good idea to get a chlorine filter for your home. Remember, hot showers are a source of of chlorine as well so you might be really diligent on what how you cook and what they drink but you uh, might also consider a chlorine filter for the faucet and remember chlorine when they max out on chlorine that's when they start breaking out on their chest and back so that's your trigger to know that's the chemical that is giving them the most trouble all right. What else is uh, in our therapeutic protocol? We do have a, a hormone relief elixir, which mimics through frequency the a hormone balanced system. Uh, we've had phenomenal success with it. Most kids aren't going to need that, but uh, need to know that that tool is available. So it makes the body feel like it has a normal complement of hormones until we actually clean their toxins out with skin defense. And then their body will, will have a balanced hormone and they don't need hormone relief anymore. So recovery, hormone relief, and skin defense are my go-to in treating that condition. Obviously, when it comes to sunscreens, you want to avoid using any artificial sunscreens that contain the octanoxate, oxybenzone, homosalate in particular. Avoid uh, lots of uh, applications of anything that contains parabens in it. And if you live in a community where pesticides are unavoidable, seriously consider moving. If you're on a farm and you're actually the farmer, I mean, I feel for you guys. It's really like a frontline situation. And, you know, uh, adult men, uh, you know, they're influenced by all of this as well. And uh, with gynecomastia, with moodiness and, and all the things we've discussed in here. So, you know, it's something to consider. I do think pesticides are the leading cause of breast cancer, estrogenic pesticides. So you want to get this stuff out of your system. Now, how do you know you're high risk if you're a woman? And I know I'm going over time here, uh, but how do you know you're at high risk as a woman of uh, estrogenic exposure, if you're starting to get fibrocystic breast disease, that's a 
a tell uh, that your system is overloaded and skin defense resolves that pretty quickly. If you're somebody who uh, whose daughter, whose menstrual cycles are irregular, they're going to find uh, that we can regulate those, again, hormone relief and skin defense pretty quickly as they get older into their 20s and 30s and, and or if I'm talking to you, the mom who's interested in knowing how this influences their children, then yes, you, you want to consider those same options and um, get your system balanced. I also think this is the reason women go into early menopause. This is also the reason why menopausal symptoms exist. So, you know, it's my take that all hormones should sunset naturally. It's, it's built into the beautiful design of our body. Uh, but because we go in to the menopause years imbalanced, highly imbalanced with estrogen being highly suppressed by those toxins, we have menopausal symptoms. So all of this is a fix that is quite doable. And uh, hopefully all of this information was helpful to you. Uh, We need to protect our children and make sure we're not changing things in their cells that can lead to long-term problems that that plague them both from a social, social status, whether it be facial hair or acne or bloating, or from purely just a participation status when they have to stay at home because they have such horrific cramping or some of the other uh, symptoms that could be related to candida overgrowth, etc. So I hope this was helpful to you. We'll talk to you again soon. Um, thanks again for joining me. Remember, these podcasts uh, at Ask Dr. Ben come out weekly. I hope you'll share them with your friends. I think this is really important information to get out there. And you can also find me you know, giving uh, Instagram, you can join my Instagram at Osmosis Beauty, where I'm doing a bunch of uh, Insta Live videos to help educate you on a variety of subjects, including um, beauty. So with that, I will leave you. Thanks again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Please leave a review if you can and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com and you can find me on Facebook at Osmosis Beauty. You can also follow me on Instagram at osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening.